Welcome to episode 96 of Blue Jays Happy Hour. I'm Nick Ashbourne, joined as always by Andrew Stoughton. That was a tough one uh, for the Blue Jays, and by one I kind of mean four, and by four I kind of mean five. Uh, they're, they're slipping right now, and often I find that our role, insofar as we have a role, which might be arrogant to even presume, <laughs> is to, to maybe cool the temperature off a little bit, to, be, to take the longer view, to be reasonable. And so when we do these vibe checks that we sometimes start the episodes with, it's often a, you know, it's not as great as it seems or it's not as bad as it seems. However... This is at a moment where it's yeah, it looks pretty bad. So I, I you know, I'm gonna grant you the poetic license to either do the traditional "let's not panic," or if you want to go more down the road of hitting the panic button or just the bummer button, I think that that avenue is more open than it usually is. So where's your uh, Blue Jays vibe <laughs> check tonight? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it would it would never be the panic button. I'm not a panic kind of guy. Uh, the bummer button, absolutely. I'll be, uh, I'll smash that. Um, and you know, I think you're right. I mean, I think it would be absurd to to think that uh, the sky has fallen if you were looking at what they had done last week and thought, oh, th- this is a really great team. You know, they're uh, uh, neither is correct. The truth is in the middle, as always. But uh, something that especially occurred to me playing the Red Sox and looking at you know all the guys that they have hurt. Uh, and looking at the Yankees and all the guys that they have hurt. And, you know, the Rays have guys hurt. The Jays have had really, really good health. Uh, so this should be a time, because that, that, that monster is going to hit them uh, at, at some point. I mean, we saw Zach Pop, though he's kind of been, you know, one of the uh, one of many strugglers this week. Uh, you know, hurt himself a little bit. We saw Ricky Tiedemann, uh, which I assume we'll talk about, uh, uh, have to exit a game uh, here as we record on Thursday, uh, before we recorded Thursday. Um and so that just that, that does feel like a time where, you know, you're healthy, uh, other teams aren't. It's a great opportunity to uh, to bank a bunch of wins, which they've done to an extent, but certainly not this week or on Sunday. And uh, of course, we're watching the stupid Rays uh, continue to do that and and just you know run like a buzzsaw through everybody. So it, you know that's that's not a panic situation, but uh, things have been better, absolutely. Yeah, and I think you make a good point about how there was an opportunity to make some inroads here, and that opportunity was you know, the opposite of taken. Uh, it was squandered, I guess. And when you look at the team right now, you know, after the loss on Thursday, they are in fourth place in the division, and they are eight games out of the division lead. That sounds like a horrendous situation to be in <laughs> on May 4th. However, you know, there's a little bit more subtlety to the situation because the Rays have just been insanely good, good to a level we just know they can't maintain, right? Like they cannot win 81.3% of their games from here on out. But, you know, they've already won all those games. Mm -hmm. And if you ask me, are the Blue Jays eight games better than the Rays from here on out? I don't think so. Like I'd be pretty surprised. So it looks like, you know, fairly early in the season and you know maybe there's a raise collapse that's going to happen here maybe the the jays have you know one of those 11 game win streaks in them the team is good enough this is a good team and arguably you know the rotation is the thing that makes you kind of more or less able to pull off those streaks because you're kind of getting you know a quality start day in day out and don't have that blow up that kind of destroys your chances and the pitching generally speaking uh you know manoa being being an issue uh mm-hmm. Kikuchi not having a great last start, obviously. 
but they do have they've got the horses to have that kind of run but it just you, it's never smart to bet on that it's never smart to say you know what's going to happen eventually you know a 12 game winning streak like it's it's inevitable for these guys i just don't think that that's the case like they're good but they're not that good and so yeah they're stuck in this tough division they're stuck in a dog fight like you said they've been healthy and they've still been you know i think it's fair to say a little bit unimpressive i mean that might sound like an understatement to folks who've just watched the Boston series. I'm talking about overall for the season. One thing that's worth mentioning is is this, the way the schedule plays into this, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, we talked when they had that Yankees and Astros stretch, how holding your own was actually a really good outcome. And going to Boston is harder than it was last year. I don't think it's ridiculously hard, but also it is worth noting that this team has had 12 games at home and 20 games on the road. So on the road right now, they're nine and 11 at home. They're nine and three. Those aren't winning percentages. They're going to hold up by any means, but if they haven't had health luck, they've had a little bit of tough scheduling luck. And, you know, we know that we started on this huge road trip. So I I do want to give them a few points for that because you probably get a little regression on that, but I, yeah, panic is not the right feeling, but I think it's okay to take a step back, look at the situation as a whole and say that this is not shaping up the way you would want 2023 to shape up if you're the Blue Jays, even though there's, you know, there's tons and tons and tons of runway left. I think it's that we've still also seen enough to know what the most likely scenarios are. And the most likely scenarios uh, involve the Blue Jays kind of in the same situation they've been the last couple of years, despite the fact they made all these changes in the offseason. I mean, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, uh, and there are there are definitely ways to think to to think it through. And you know, I mean, I think you know when it's important to point out that when we're talking about that sort of stuff, uh, this is more about like the the you know the playoff scenarios, the win loss record, stuff like that. Like, I think that 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 making conclusions about you know is this team good enough based on four games or whatever is that's you know nobody nobody's here thinking that. I don't think I don't think anybody listening is going to be. Uh, of that mind but you know there can be perspective gained right like what were they they were five and one on on the homestand and then have lost four straight so you know 500 over their last 10 games or whatever that is that's that that's that's not as catastrophic as it feels off with all five of those losses coming right in a row and and the bullpen looking like a bit of a mess and the starting pitching not you know uh holding up its end of the deal um but i think as you say about the rays and playing eight games better than them from here out that's the problem right that is and that's you know partly a blue jays problem but partly a a rays problem and i think we look at you know we talked about the yankees yes there is some there 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 are health issues there that's kind of always probably going to be the case uh, with a team that's old like the Yankees is. Uh, but what we saw last year is they really stormed out of the gate as well, not to the level that Tampa has, and they were really tough to catch, uh, even though they were kind of a mediocre team for a bunch of months in the middle of the season, and it really you know cooled down, and it didn't look uh, like they were that team for quite a long time. And I think now we're kind of seeing that that's, this is maybe more the reality of what the Yankees are, and, and that hot start really helped them. Uh, but it really helped them, right? Like they, uh, they were able to coast to the playoffs on that in a lot of ways, I think, uh, and the Goldilocks balls and all that garbage, obviously as well. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it, it is, uh, uh, you can't, what is it? You can't win the division in, in May, but you can lose it. And, uh, you know, they're in danger of that, which is, which is tough because, you know, I think Mark Shapiro had a, a uh, what was, he, was it Scott Mitchell he talked to this week? I think there was a, there was a piece there. Um, 
where he's talking about you know what's the next step and it's like well we want to win the division because you want to uh, <laughs> you want to remove one of those layers where just anything can happen so if you can get past one playoff round without having to you know put your season in jeopardy um that is the next step for them and uh it looks like it might have to wait another year and that that's it seems it's so early to say that but but it's just i mean tampa is just banking these wins it's crazy yeah, I mean, if Tampa were where the Orioles are, it's a totally different conversation, right? Like if Tampa was, you know, the Orioles are 21 and 10. We're not going to talk about the Orioles too much. I think it's a little early on them to know what they are. I mean, they are clearly better. They are more of an impediment to the Blue Jays than they have been in the past, probably, you know, kind of in recent memory. But if they, you know, that's a 677 winning percentage. That's, I mean, reasonable is is kind of a silly word to use. Like that's a lot but it's not over this amount of games. It's the sort of thing that happens. Like, oh, yeah, the team won sort of two-thirds of its games over the first 30 games. Like, the Braves are outdoing that in the NL East. Like, you know, the, the Pirates, who we'll get to a little later, you know, they're at a 625. Like, this is the kind of thing that happens. But what the Rays have done is so absurd, so unusual, that their margin for error to win this division, other, I guess kind of other than if the Orioles really take off from here, because the Orioles four and a half games back is more striking distance, uh, their margin for error is huge. Like you mentioned the Yankees, and that's a great point. Like the Yankees last year, people love to play with their arbitrary endpoints, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm not guilty of that either. I like to do that too. Uh, but they love to say, I forget what the date was, but like since date X, the Yankees are you know, this sort of 500 type level team, but it didn't matter, you know, and the Jays didn't, you know, they didn't win that division. They didn't really threaten at the end. And like you said, that is the next step. And this has a bit of a feeling, and this is, I think this is a little bit what's going on these couple of moments, but it's a little bit of a feeling of, and is of 2021 where they had all this talent. And then they had this bullpen that was just giving away a bunch of games. And you kind of, even at the time you felt this is a really good team and it's silly they're giving away games right now and then it came down to one game. I'm not forecasting that that's what's going to happen. Like that's It's aggressive to say at this point, oh, the Jays are going to miss the playoffs. But it, this is kind of what happened and, uh, and they wasted a hell of a good team that year. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it is a little bit how it feels like in this particular moment. Yeah, it's a it's a concern. I mean, I think that that stuff is more a concern to me than the bullpen, even though it's not you know one of those elite lights out bullpens. I mean, Nate Pearson has uh, you know has, has had his moments so far and, and looks like he's solidifying a spot going forward, which I think will be really helpful. I think Aaron Swanson has looked really good. You know, this is kind of you know most of the most of the games of the Boston series I turned off long before we got to see too many relievers. Uh, you know, Zach Pop's kind of gone sideways and then got hurt here uh, on Thursday, but he you know presumably. He'll be able to get it back on track. Anthony Bass, you know, it was really good last year. Uh, that one's that, that one's looking a little dicey <laughs> yeah. at this point, but uh. yeah, it's a little trickier. I mean, that's what we're gonna get into, right? The bullpen is has been the story, and that's yeah, it's kind of unfair because it takes a lot of different players to lose. It takes failures in the field, and we saw a lot of that. And some of the starts haven't been as good. But a lot of we, people say the uh, the manager's decisions as well. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> I, not I, me but a lot yeah. of people say it Why people, th- people do say that Let's go. That, yeah. that is an accurate statement uh, whether the, that's I, I don't know it, it's funny how <laughs> how quickly narratives surround like John Schneider a guy who really only had a minor league track record before this people are very quick to have an opinion about this guy and we really don't have a track record yet and I, I think a lot of people kind of got burned by that 
Seattle disaster, and I do think that there was some mismanagement in that game. But at the same, <laughs> no, you mean, are you meaning? Do you mean Sunday or do you mean last October? I mean, I mean last <laughs> October. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't really want to walk down the the Schneider route right now. Let's talk about the guys who are in this bullpen. I think both you and I, and we, you kind of hinted on in the last couple uh, minutes here would agree that I don't think bullpen talent, like strictly bullpen talent, is a huge, huge issue for the Blue Jays the way it might feel like right now in this moment. But it is an interesting moment to to dive into it just because it is top of mind for everybody. And so we're going to do an exercise we've done before, and that is the old bullpen gut check, which is we're just going to go through everyone on the active roster. I'm going to leave Pop out because he injured himself uh, shortly before recording this. Uh, don't want to punch a guy when he's down. We're going to give a one out of ten. I kind of did that on Twitter already anyway. Well, fair enough. But we're, <laughs> we're going to give everybody a, a trust. This Again, this is not a judge of talent necessarily. Talent obviously playing a big role. A judge of trust, one to ten. We'll aggregate the scores. These scores will uh, be totally arbitrary and mean nothing and not really affect the future. But it, it will help us engage with the moment. And so we're gonna. I'm gonna use. Uh, we're just gonna go through the roster. I'm using the order they're listed in uh, Fangraphs roster resource, which is sort of a quasi order of trust, um, kind of going from the long relief to closer role based on their interpretation of it, which isn't always totally accurate, but it is what it is. So I'm gonna start with our friend and everybody's favorite, Trevor Richards. One to ten. Where's your Trevor Richards trust? Um, I mean, it's, it's higher than it usually is, I think at the moment, right? Like he's one of the guys who hasn't been horrific, uh, as much lately. Again, honestly, like I'm not joking. I, there are definitely some relief performances this week, uh, that, that I missed because just out of frustration, I was like, I can't keep watching this. Um, you know, the changeup seems to be working really well. Like he's done well against lefties. Uh, you know, it's, uh, like, it's like a six right now, which is, which is extraordinarily high for Trevor Richards, which is like maybe beyond what I would have thought his ceiling was as a uh, comfort level. Yeah. I'm going, I'm going to go even higher. I'm going to a 6.5 for Trevor Richards. He deserves (laughs) a lot of credit. He's striking it. He struck out 20 hitters in 12.2 innings this season. Like that's sort of the number. That's basically the exact number that Nate Pearson did in 2021, where everyone freaked out about it. I'm not saying, like when he firmly joined the bullpen, I'm not saying that Trevor Richard is Nate Pearson. We'll get to him. That'll be a higher number. I promise you that. But, he, you know, it is undeniable that he misses a ton of bats and missing a ton of bats is super useful. It's also undeniable that the guy is prone to giving up a home run. Like, like that's not a small sample size thing. That's like every mm-hmm. single year of his career, he gives up a decent amount of home runs um, when people kind of lock onto the changeup or whatever it is. So I don't think he's ever going to be suited to the highest leverage moments. Like he, even with his crazy strikeout rate, if he maintained it, he just, you know, he walks too many guys and the home run threat uh, is really a problem with him. So I just don't think even if he's pitching really, really well, you ever want to put him in that spot. But at the same time, yeah, I, th- I think he's totally competent MLB caliber arm who's actually pitching better than usual right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't disagree. Okay. Uh, social media star Anthony Bass. Whew. I mean, okay. We, I don't know if we really established this, but like you know, you know, we're we're putting a number. Like, if, I mean, if we're talking about with the game on the line right now, uh, I mean, you can Anthony interpret Bass a John- one one to ten scale <laughs> in any way you want. It's pretty intuitive. 
I guess so. But like, yeah, okay. Anthony Bass strolling in from the bullpen, jogging in. Yeah, like, uh, what's your? It's a gut check. How does how does your gut feel when you see Anthony Bass coming? I'm like, like honestly, if I gave him a two right here, I would be like, man, that's that's kind of fucking high. So <laughs> I'll give him a one point five because I I'm just. You know, I'm not feeling that right now. Now that may, that may be some residue from certain things that uh, that, that have come to light. Hey, we've <laughs> we've all been tangentially friends with Tammy Lauren at some point in our lives. <laughs> uh, it happens to everybody. Um, yeah, I feel you. Like I don't know. Like I don't know. One seems pretty low based on how he pitched last year. So I'll say uh, a three. I don't know. He's a guy that I you know I kind of looked into, dove into, and was like, is there something to be written about Anthony Bass? And I kind of felt like not really at the end of the day. Like the velocity's not quite there. The splitter's not quite right. Most things about the slider, which is what's supposed to make him good, are kind of should be there. I don't know. He he just seems like a guy who. Like, I don't know, we're using one to 10 scales, so let's just keep rolling with it. Like, if his talent was a seven, last year he was pitching to a to a nine results because he was just pitching as well as he could conceivably pitch. Like, that was the ceiling of Anthony Bass. If you saw last year and you thought, I bet this guy could get even better at 35 uh, in 2023, like, you're an insane level of optimist. So, he, but now he's just pitching from that seven down deeper than I would have imagined possible. But it, you know, it is a small sample. I, I, I'm not necessarily like you have to cut him tomorrow. Cause it's not like they're using them in big spots anyway. Um, but it, it is a pretty disappointing thing for the blue Jays because getting him on this club option for 2023 at a, at a cheap price was a big part of the trade value there. Like you, you got Bass and you got Pop and you were thinking not only is Bass a guy who's pitching super well right now and can help the team right now, he's someone who will have next year at a very reasonable price. And, you know, so far he's not providing value even on that small price tag. Yeah, agree. All right. Who's ready to ratchet up the numbers with uh, with Nate Pearson, who's had who's been like the one Blue Jay generating positive headlines in the last three to four days? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with the team more than some of the fans who are like, let's throw him into leverage right now. But uh, or at least that's where it was four days ago. Now I'm more on the let's throw him into leverage right now because just everybody can't. Looks like they can't handle it. Um, well, I'll still, I'll, I'll go, you know, a little reserved, and I'll say a seven. I'm going. I'll go higher than you. I'm going to an eight. I just, you know, before the season. I was like, this is the guy who's not on the roster now that I still am ready to believe will do something. I'm ready to get hurt again with Nate Pearson. <laughs> yeah. And he's doing it. He's doing the thing. He's coming in. He's throwing 98. He's going up to 100. He's going like basically only fastballs, which is pretty funny to me. Um, you know, just because we spent so much time with Nate Pearson discussing this, re- this starter repertoire and, oh, he came in and the slider was really good, but the, cha- but the curveball is underdeveloped and what's going to become of the changeup? And it's just like, forget all of that. Like, let's just throw out of 29, that big outing that got the attention. I wrote about it too, so I'm not saying that it was unreasonable. Um, but he threw 25 fastballs and 29 pitches. You know, it's just like, forget about all the other stuff. Just pump heat. And he's got, he's, he's the big guy. He's got the extension. He can do it. And I, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm going to nitpick. Like, I would like to see, you know, more than three outings. I'd like to mm-hmm. see... I'd like to see the slider incorporated back a little bit more just because that is uh, has been a good pitch for him. And I do 
think it's worth noting that he has really struggled to get left-handed hitters out in his brief MLB career. And I'm not 100% sold that that situation is over. So if he came into a, a place where he had to face two big lefty bats, I think you're a little bit concerned about that. But right now, Nate Pearson is the least of the Blue Jays' problems, and that hasn't always been the case. Yeah, agreed. All right. Uh, the Southpaw himself, the one and only Tim Meza, who, I mean, I don't know. It's not fair to say he has a job in this bullpen by default, but he, he's, he's just been treading that line as a player of like being just good enough that no one seeks to replace him. Maybe that's a little unfair because he was pretty good in 2021, but he's, uh, he's doing well this year. It's hard to deny. So like where are you sitting with Nate? I'm with not with, uh, Tim Meza doing well in the sense of keeping runs off the board. Yeah, he's like, I mean, he, yeah, he's like a six for me, I would say, um, which I could probably go. I mean, I feel I'm skewing low here, but I feel I could go higher. Like uh, at the start of the year, I was definitely uh, maybe still scarred from the Seattle thing, like many of us. Um, but I think he's done a decent job. I think John Starter's done a decent job at Pete Walker and everybody else who goes into the game planning because, you know, you know uh, I always want to be careful to bring that up when it comes to Schneider because I was also with, with Charlie because everybody would go nuts about, oh, Charlie's decisions. And it's like they tell you all the time that uh, they're collaborating and making, you know, a lot of these kind of decisions together uh i think the, the usage has been really good for the most part i mean there have obviously been times where it can't be helped that he'll have to face right-handed hitters which you don't really want him to do but that's kind of ticked up for him a little bit as uh uh as the appearances have increased which is nice to see i know the strikeouts are really low he's kind of doing the one pitch thing uh as well but the ground ball rate's really good uh and yeah he's 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 done a nice job that doesn't mean i necessarily have to trust him to continue to do that going forward but uh but you know tip my cap to him and i'll give him a six he's above water yeah i uh, maybe i'll go to 6.5 but like you said i don't think you need to go that high with him and like it's weird to be like oh the guy's got an era of 104 and a fip of 151 or whatever and even expected era is 272 so he's done okay um, but on the flip, and he's, he hasn't walked anyone and that's very nice, but on the flip side, you know, his job is to come in and like, really, when you're that lefty, like you really got to shut those guys down. Like that's the whole point. Mm. And you're often coming in in big spots and, you know, he's given up 11 hits and in 8.2 innings. And some of that is, is Babip luck, but he's all, you know, he's got, he's holding 90.9% of men on base, like left on base strand rate. So it's kind of been this weird combination of he's giving up hits, but like only when it doesn't matter. But I, I just have no faith that that will continue to be the case. You know what I mean? Like he's a guy who allows a lot of balls in play and someone who comes in and leverage spots where they really, you don't want balls in play to happen necessarily. Uh, and the ground ball rate definitely helps with that, but he, he is just like a bit of a, he's not the right player for what you would want the player to do, but he's kind of fine overall. Yeah. I, I would like to see, you know, him well there's two guys who do better against getting uh, getting lefties out and then can still get righties out in the bullpen i mean well one of them is trevor richard so we can, yeah. i mean i guess i guess maybe there's three because romano's pretty good too but but uh you know i i would just like to see swanson get that job i know we'll talk about swanson in a second and then we've got uh yimmy jimmy first name confusion man himself which is uh yimmy garcia he's had a tough Start the year, which is weird because he, you know, he had a bit of hype coming into the season with the increased velocity and him, you know, looking all right in the World Baseball Classic and stuff. And uh, the results have not been there. I think it's safe to say. 
And yet, you know, I mean, I, I tweeted something about Jimmy. Jimmy, I, I, yeah, I don't. I, it's weird. You'd hear it different ways. There's, there's usually, you know, baseball reference is good at like having the correct pronunciation, but then when people stray from it, you never know. Uh, don't want to be disrespectful, but, but no, just I, I literally, don't, I, literally don't that know what, way, what, what the way I'm I'm to say it is. Bamboozled by it. It's not, <laughs> I'd like it to be. I'd like to be right about it. Yeah, and like okay, like speaking, you know, we're talking about numbers here. You know, the the, the strikeout and walk rate pretty good. The 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 Garcia experience tends to be uh, a little homer prone, and that has kind of been the case. I think he's at he's at one point eight homers per nine, which you know, even at this stage of the season, he's pitched fifteen innings, he's given a couple couple homers. Um, and the strand rate's really low. It's like kind of unusually low. I I I feel I I feel like a seven for for Garcia for Jimmy and or Jimmy. Yeah. Um, I, I like uh, it. I think uh, there's yeah. too much hatred for him right now. He's had, he's had a bit of a tough go, but you know he's a veteran. He's been around a long time. This is actually a decent version of him with all the juice he's had. Like he has got his highest average velocity right now. Expected ERA is 313, right? Like 30% of his fly balls have gone for home runs. That's not going to keep happening. Like it you have to be I mean, really some some will leave the yard. Some will play. leave the yard, but you know, last year for instance, he gave up 6 home runs in 61 innings. And this year he's given up three and fourteen innings. So, uh, you know, I, I don't. It'll it'll even out to some extent. Like I think last year he was probably better at containing home runs than he normally is, and this year he's been worse. Uh, the whole thing will probably even out to some extent. But he's, I don't know, he's not the guy that I think should make people think the Blue Jays bullpen is shitty. Like sometimes you you hear yeah. tweets about him coming in in a relatively big spot, and people are kind of. They, they're incredulous. They can't believe that, you know, Garcia's coming in with this thing that matters. Like, he's been trash this year. And, like, yeah, he hasn't been great this year, but he's he's shown quite a bit this year, and he's been good for the vast majority of his career. I don't think he's any, you know, I think there's plenty of good teams that can have him as a primary right-handed seventh-inning guy. I, I don't see it as a problem. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where the the uh, the industry is at on the uh, the predictive nature of xFIP at this point. But two ninety three for him right now. Like, I, I think uh, I think things will get better once the sample grows because he's because uh, yeah, he's pretty good. I, I I don't I don't have problems. But but uh, you know, speaking of the Twitter thing, I mean, you can you can find any idiot to to have you know a terrible opinion on Twitter to to you know make a straw man of. I've seen this guy out there who keeps saying Whit Merrifield's bad. So. <laughs> I still believe what Mary says back. I still, uh, I get people. Oh my god, I, I get texts about it now because people like, I'm on the record being like, I think Whit Marisfield's bad. And yeah, I don't know when when guy who makes a lot of contact does lengthy hitting streak that doesn't that doesn't move the needle for me. Like yeah, that is the sort of thing that can happen with Whit Merrifield. Absolutely. Anyway, anyway. Uh, we've got Eric Swanson here. Uh, I also, I haven't been writing down any of these numbers, so I hope people at home are, are remembering them. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, norm, in this scenario, I normally <laughs> write very down. very scientific I exercise. normally get more scientific with it, and that's my fault. And uh, yeah, listener, I'm, I apologize. I'm, I'm in shambles, <laughs> just like the team. Uh, okay, so yeah, Swanson, you know, he's coming off that rough outing. I, you know, I think you'd have a hard time giving him a low number, though, right? Oh, he's like a nine for me. And yeah. that's, I, I, I think that, that that's just because I would be reluctant to give a 10. I, I mean, even with, you know, got the old fan graphs up right here, which has the live stats. Uh, <laughs> because as I say, I don't even know if he pitched on Thursday. Uh, but still 172 ERA. Um, 
everything's looking good and, and uh, passes the eye test as well. Uh, everything's been really good for Swanson so far. And, and uh, uh, I, I mean, especially compared to some of these other humps, I have no, I have no problem whatsoever with uh, watching him jog in from the bullpen in a, uh, in a uh, tricky situation. Yeah, I, th- I think he's a worthy nine right now. You know, if you want to walk down the FIP route and say he's walking more people, sure. But over this small sample, not super worrying. And also the contact he's generating is really soft contact. So even uh, even though he is, you know, he has this wildly low BABIP, you know, his expected ERA is pretty much right next to his normal ERA. Like this is, uh, yeah, it, it, it's hard to complain about anything he's done. And to be honest... Uh, I thought there was a pretty good chance that at this time in the season, people would be really still annoyed about the whole trade. Like if he had come out and been, you know, done what Garcia did, you know, as yeah. as a kind of veteran. I know he doesn't have the same track record, but yeah, as like a veteran setup guy, he'd come out and generally not pitch terribly necessarily, but had bad results. Uh, I thought that the you know the pitchforks really had potential to come out for him because people, for good reason, you know they like Teoscar Hernandez, and uh, we know that there's a you know there's a service time component to it. It wasn't like a one for one. We think this player is as good as that player type of trade, uh, and there's the prospect Mako as well involved in it. So it, it is more complicated than that. But it's sometimes it's not more complicated to get complicated. Sorry to that. In the moment, uh, if a player is giving up a crucial home run or something. So I'm happy for him from that perspective that he never had to kind of get unfair abuse from the fan base for reasons that were not his fault. <laughs> I mean, we got a guy we can give fair abuse to for reasons that are his fault. Uh, exactly. The, so the fine people at United Airlines as well. There's apparently. plenty of abuse to go around. Um, and it, none <laughs> of it has come his way, which is great. And yes, yeah, he deserves I it. I think that... You know, you, we're going to get to our last guy here, obviously, is Jordan Romano. But you could make an argument. And I have seen, you know, we keep saying, like, people are saying. That's very Trumpian to say. Like, people are saying. And then you can just say whatever you want it to say. Uh, but I do think, people, like, I have seen people say that they would prefer to have Swanson be the closer to Romano based on some of the early season results. I, and I think there's an argument for that. But it's it's like when we have lineup arguments about this guy should hit second not third and it's like does it make enough of a difference that it's worth uprooting kind of the structure for and my opinion on that would probably be no but i'm gonna i'll give romano an 8.5 right so i will rank him slightly below swanson because i think swanson has pitched better yeah and you know what i uh i mean i would have i would have done the exact same thing maybe an eight uh, had I not been looking at some of the numbers, and, and Romano's just got a little, been a little bad. His, his strand rate is seventy five, whereas Swanson's is ninety eight percent. A relevant they're, difference. <laughs> their their xvips are identical. Their fips are very close. You know, everything's uh, everything's real close between them. And you know, Romano does, and maybe it's just part of being, you know, the capital C closer that the expectations are higher. Uh, I'm not sure, or just that we haven't seen. You know the a, a real real big blow up from from Swanson, um, but but yeah, Romano just doesn't. And I wrote about this the other week. Like so much of it, I think is psychological. That you, it's like, oh, is Jordan Romano really an elite closer? And it's like, yeah, he is. I mean, depending on your definition of elite, I guess. Like if you mean like a top ten guy, then yeah, he's pretty much there at the back end of that. But but maybe not even depends on the metric you use. And you can absolutely make an argument that he is. He's an an elite closer and one of the best in the in the game, uh, and yet you know sometimes it just feels like it's not 
he's not the closer that you fear another team bringing out against your team. It's not, you know, flawless, perfect every time, which is just not the reality for anybody. But I think a lot of times we we uh, impose our expectations or our fears of what the opponent is going to do in a, in a tight game and having their big guy come in uh, onto the expectations of what our closer should be, the Blue Jays' closer should be, uh, when that's not really fair and when Romano just really checks all the boxes and, uh, and is excellent and has been excellent for uh, several years now or a few years now. Yeah, I think also he's excellent in ways that aren't, I mean, he's excellent in the closer-ish ways, uh, the ways that you expect. But when compared to other closers, yeah, he throws super hard. But you know, so does everybody. You could make an argument that he doesn't. You know, he doesn't throw as hard as the hardest throwing guys, and he strikes out a lot of guys. But he doesn't strike out an insane amount. You know, like he's not one of those guys with the with the fifteen K per nine. You know, what I mean, he's not no. that guy. Yeah. And so, like a lot of his success comes from the fact that he keeps the ball in the ballpark at really well over the last three years, and like his he has low BABIPs too. Like he's he's been pretty good. He'll give up quote unquote hard contact, but not necessarily contact that's expected to go for hits, and contact importantly that stays in the park. And his walk rate is decent, where some closers are just kind of wild men. You know what I mean? Like he's not that guy who. Yeah, he's going to strike out three guys, but he'll also, you know, walk almost a guy in outing. So he's like not as scary in the traditionally scary ways as some of the guys are, although he's pretty damn good in those ways. And some of the things that differentiate him are a little bit more subtle and a little bit less sexy. Um, but yeah, he's good. Dude's good. He's like, he's. they should be happy to have him. He's He's like you said, you could kind of put him in the back end of top 10. You could kick him out of a top 10. Uh, it's fairly arbitrary to do that kind of stuff. But the reality is, again, like we said with Swanson, this is not the problem with the team. Jordan Romano is not the problem. Uh, no. He's going to be just fine. So you guys can tabulate yeah. all those numbers at home. <laughs> uh, I think the conclusion is that, generally speaking, these guys are fine. Like, I don't think that, you know, you could make an argument for another lefty being a thing that would be useful. Um, we'll see what happens with Pearson's role and how it evolves. And yeah, Bass is is really struggling to the point where you want to keep an eye on where you're at with that in a month or so. Uh, but I, yeah, I, when I look at this list of players, um, I don't think, oh, this is a group that just doesn't have it. And, you know, we just talked about 2021 and how this kind of feels a bit like 2021 in this moment. In 2021, I did look at those guys and say, these guys do not have it. It's a, it's a different situation. <laughs> was Rafael Dolis still around at that point? Dolis and Piamps yeah. and you know, all those dudes. It was, that was a little bit tougher, absolutely. And yeah, Bass. I mean, he mentioned the contract, which at the time was like, oh boy, wow, like cheap, cheap option for next year. That's a, that's such a win. And now it's kind of like, oh wow, you would cut bait on that real easy if you have to. Um, yeah, which is not how anyone would. I would rather him, you know. Uh, uh, personal issues between me and Anthony Bass aside, <laughs> I would rather he, you know, pitch the way he did last year, which was, you know, statistically at least, as looked like one of the best relievers in baseball. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we're seeing that again, but... Uh, don't feel... <laughs> the, the velocity might have to magically reappear first, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Um, so, yeah, again, everyone, feel free to tabulate at home. I want to move on to another issue. With, with, <laughs> please, tabulate please, please, please. Uh, you know, our, the vivid Reddit uh, community we have, uh, they can tabulate and make graphs or whatever. <laughs> um, 
So one another kind of issue that's been circulating the team, and you wrote something that I liked about this recently, which was about sort of Biggio and Belt. And, you know, there's supposed to be this infusion of lefty-righty balance. That's one of the big changes with the Blue Jays this year, theoretically. And it, that was more about Belt and Varsho. But Varsho has come around a little bit recently, but has on balance been not good. And the three of them are hitting a combined 176, 259, 317 this season. Uh, I think that's before Thursday's results, but that doesn't really uh, move the needle, I'm afraid. You know, we know that Varsha's not going anywhere. Like he's kind of off the table, and I think you're inclined to believe that he'll be, he'll be, yeah, he'll be better from here. And I don't, I don't think that's a stretch. And you're not worried from about him in a profound way necessarily. But Biggio and Belt are starting to get a little bit of existential dread about about them. So first of all, like, where's your level of hope for those two? And then, you know, in this piece, you kind of explored like, okay, but are there alternatives? Do you think <laughs> that there's something that can be done? Because uh, as people are starting to figure out who have uh, looked at the Blue Jays farm system this year, like there's not a lot of great performances going on down there. No. And I, I mean, in the short answer is no, there aren't a lot of great alternatives at the, at the moment. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's, it's tough because I mean, even as we've seen this week and as we've seen, you know, even stretching back into the weekend, uh, you know, they're, they're at the point where belt's not, getting in the lineup in games where they, that was supposed to be his job. He's not getting pinch hit opportunities where that's supposed to be his job. Uh, and those are, I think, the correct decisions because he's just not going. But that makes it harder, I think, for him to get going if he's not out there facing Major League pitching. Uh, I think that they're, you know, I think, I mean, they're saying all the right things. They're obviously always going to say the right things uh, until the moment where they're like, yeah, we thought he was cooked and, and just weren't going to say it until we actually like dealt with it. Uh, but, but, you know, as I wrote in that piece and as we talked about last week with Frank Thomas, and obviously there were, you know, there were contractual issues there, but teams don't, you know, once, if a guy looks washed, especially when they're old and they're coming off injury, uh, they're, they're, they're not like, we'll give you three months. It's like, no, the, the, the demand to, you know, to see some production, uh, is is pretty ur- there's some urgency there i think when you're talking about those guys and i think the knee injury and the small like the small sample spring training uh maybe helps belt a little bit but it's just it's getting harder and harder if he can't if he's so bad that he can't get into the lineup and i did have a hit on for thursday but it, it, you know the, it's just hard to get the bat going uh and you hate to see it but you also you know i just i i you, i don't know that that's going to work and now it is an interesting interesting wrinkle to this is of course not just the fact that the you know whoever is in the minor leagues for the jays right now is not really uh <laughs> blasting the door down uh but also there's an extra roster spot than there were in the days of frank thomas in the days of the other example i used was jose batista uh when he you know caught on with the mets and the braves and the phillies there and in his in 2018 after he was like kind of clearly cooked uh so you can you know like you know, we've seen all season like luplo and uh, and Nathan Lucas have been on the roster doing nothing all year. Um, Bradley Zimmer last year was on the roster doing nothing basically all year. So there, it's a, it, because you can't use that roster spot on a reliever, 
there is a roster spot where you can just sort of keep him there. And so that might give him a little more rope than uh, than would have been the case in the old days before there were those limits on the roster and, and, and before there was the extra roster spot and the inability to use it on a reliever. So, you know, there's a bit of a reprieve there, but as we talked about, even with the bounce that he, the bounce back he's kind of had since those first awful games, we were like, you know, if we're still talking about this, you know, continuously, it's it's just it, it it's clear what's going to happen. So, uh he needs to heat up real fast, I think, because I think it also just yeah, it makes it so much more difficult to uh to to get his bat going if he doesn't have any at bats to take. Yeah, and, you know, they're literally taking at-bats away from him, right? Like, they pinched yeah. hit, you know, Kirk for him against the righty, and that was the right call in that moment because you're trying to win the damn game, and right now he's not winning games for you. That's just the reality. What's interesting about Bell, and this was also the case with Frank Thomas, and is that, like, he did fit what they wanted offensively so much, but he has no other, like, not only does he have no other value other than hitting, like, he actively makes things inconvenient for the rest of the team, right? Like, they want to use that DH spot to rest Springer. They want to use that DH spot to get Vladdy uh, a day off his feet. They want to use that DH spot to be able to have their two-catcher lineup, which right now is their best lineup. So when you are using Springer, you are kind of impeding some of the other things you potentially want to do with the rest of the team. Now, not using Springer, using Belt. Now, you know, the good version of Belt, it's worth doing all that for him. Of course, he's like a very good hitter and he provides something different in the lineup, but He's like Biggio, for instance. People are saying option Biggio. Biggio doesn't really need to hit much, and he can still have the odd use as a defensive replacement, as a pinch runner, all these things. And you kind of think he'll, you know, he's obviously he's not as old or as injured as Belt, so there's less reason to think he's like capital L lost it. Um, you could argue that, you know, in your piece, you talked about how pitchers are kind of getting wiser and wiser to his passivity and how there's more you know they're just not danger to throwing him fastballs and he hasn't been able to cope with that uh and i think you know there's a lot of truth to all that i think that's accurate but it's also true that i feel like bijo is more likely to do better from here than bell like i think there's a mm-hmm. there's you know there's a decent chance so you just keep we keep talking about it there's a pretty good chance that belts just washed like there's a pretty good chance and yeah and it's not a hundred percent but every day that it had that nothing fundamental changes like it gets closer to 100 percent. i don't know exactly like what do you want to call it today like 74 percent. i don't know that's that's my first gut call <laughs> sure, on the sure. percent chance that he's just like totally washed and not usable for this team and you know that the the other 26 percent is so valuable that it's worth holding on like you said they have the roster spot to do it no one's banging the door down also, you know, other good teams actually just don't have players who don't do anything. They, you know, they fill all those spots with position players um, who have roles. Blue Jays haven't done that over the last couple of years. But you can do that. You can have them sit and not do much and occasionally pinch hit and use them in the matchups you think maybe he might thrive in. But it, it, it is getting tougher and tougher to believe that that possibility of him coming around is going to be worthwhile. It's not time to cut bait yet. I'm not advocating for that because that... That sliver of possibility that he's fine and it was all about a late spring training and the knee and all that jazz. And um, it still exists, but it's it just getting slimmer and slimmer. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that, like, you know, the, the, the Blue Jays are not averse to phantom injuries. And uh, that, could, that could certainly be uh, one route out of this. 
Um, but of course, you need cooperation from from the player himself. And uh, might be less embarrassing, though. I mean, I, I guess it depends if Belt feels like in a world where he is getting cut, quote unquote, or like they're kind of done with him. Like if he feels like he has a real chance to catch on with another team, which will kind of would kind of depend based on the circumstances surrounding that. Yeah, I mean, he probably. I mean, he probably draw a salary somewhere and get a get an opportunity i would think someone and, and as i mentioned in that piece like uh, frank thomas and bautista both uh had like above average production after they were released uh for the first time in those years um it just wasn't you know good enough clearly and both were out of baseball afterwards uh like in the the the, the year following um so yeah we'll see i mean he got to see that brian adams concert so that's nice for him <laughs> And the, um, the chicken tenders, of course. <laughs> I, I think you're right about uh, Biggio as well. Um, there are like there are things that he could do, um, and yeah, I, I, it, it's funny. Like because I am down on him, uh, I've been clear about that for a while. But also in the in some of the stupid arguing that I try not to do, I certainly don't do as much as I did say a decade ago uh, on the stupid fucking internet <laughs> about dumb baseball things. Uh, in some of that, I certainly relished pointing out that to the people who are like, Vigio's terrible, Whit Merrifield's your guy, that, you know, albeit in smaller samples and in roles that were, you know, designed to maximize his uh, his utility at the plate, uh, I think it's like three of the last four years, Vigio's had a higher weighted runs created plus at the end of the season than, uh, than Whit Merrifield. So it, it's it's not like he is... A complete disaster, even though at the moment it certainly doesn't feel good. He went down like was it last year or the year before? Like maybe last year? Where he went down, he accepted the the uh the optioning to AAA, um, worked on some things, came back and, and looked better. Uh maybe time for that to happen again. But as I also pointed out in the piece, will you bring up Otto Lopez? Because that's not gonna help you. Uh you bring up or Elvis Martinez, like none of those guys is uh Addison Barger, the the darling of spring. Uh, struggling, struggling. Yeah. struggles real with him um yeah well, they'll all be fine I, I th- i'm sure but you maybe know, maybe you kind of <laughs> well, yeah. i mean he kind of got an earn a call up, he was right? a bit you of can't... a helium guy we'll, we'll see we'll see with him um no i mean he may be fine we'll see uh before we get out of here i want to tee up the weekend a little bit just because they're actually playing an interesting team this weekend they're playing the pittsburgh pirates who have been really good somehow um the yeah, the, normally playing the Pirates is a is a great stroke of fortune over the last you know decade or so. That's been the case, or the, or the last three days. Yeah, raise. That's true. <sighs> but this team, I mean, I, I don't know. It's like, is it a? It's a real team in the sense that it's doing well. But it, what I what gets me about it is it's not like a Baltimore Orioles situation where they've got a bunch of young guys kind of exploding onto the scene. And it's like, okay, this is the new era of, of Pirates baseball. Like they've got, you know, Brian Reynolds is good and Connor Joe is an interesting bat that they brought in. And Jack Swinsky was uh, kind of a fringe rookie of the year candidate last year. You know, they got McCutcheon, they got Carlos Santana, who uh, Blue Jays fans love. You know, and everyone just hitting well <laughs> at once, right? Like the whole lineup, they just don't have any of those. Uh, they've got guys who probably will be black holes at some point, but they're not being black holes just yet. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a sort of team that I don't feel confident saying I know what you're going to get. Like, if, the, if you told me the Blue Jays were going to sweep them and make them look like absolute trash, that wouldn't shock me. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's hard to argue with the fact they played good ball so far. 
And they're doing it all without O'Neill Cruz, too. So, you know, when he comes yeah. back, that's going to be like a, a big trade deadline addition for them, I think. You, I mean, you may be joking <laughs> about that, but O'Neill Cruz is quite literally my favorite baseball player to watch. Oh, he's incredible. Yeah. Uh, no, like I mean, I'm, I'm joking about the fact that the, the, the Pirates will not, <laughs> like, will still be in the race by the trade deadline. But yeah. uh, no, O'Neill Cruz is amazing. Unbelievable. Um, I mean, not necessarily in terms of actual value and production or whatever, but as someone who just kind of watches, you know, I don't have to watch the Pirates every day, so I don't have to watch him strike out three <laughs> times and no. throw a ball into the seats. Like I just get to see him hit unbelievable dingers and throw like a hundred mile hour heat across the diamond, which I do love to see. It is delightful. It is delightful. Um, but yeah, I don't. I'm not going to pretend I know a ton about most of the Pirates roster. Um, not something I paid a ton of attention to in spring, though. Obviously, there were a bunch of pirate games that uh, that took place. So, you know, got to got to got to hear about everybody's trip across the causeway down to Bradenton. Um, but yeah, it's uh, uh, I, you know, I think you gotta look past the record and think that it's like it would be disappointing uh, in the extreme to not handle them with ease this uh this weekend i don't know uh, with ease i think yeah you be i think the the talent means more than the record at this point in the season yeah and the blue jays have more talent than the pirates i think that's safe to say uh and you know, you're gonna see rich hill this weekend uh you're gonna see johan oviedo and ronzi Contreras. the other two are kind of younger guys quasi emerging velocity lots of slider usage if you guys love to see blue jays waving at sliders away and getting frustrated with that think that might be coming their way a bit, but that's yeah, none of the, that's why they needed those lefty bats. Yeah, that's why they need the less. So none of them are superstars, <laughs> um, and none of them are having superstar years either. It's yeah, and, you know, it's a fun, it's a fun team to watch. It's a good story, but uh, without O'Neill Cruz, really, what's the point? I guess is my take on the Pirates. This is this is true. This is I I, I completely agree. You're not you're not a big Derek Shelton fan. You don't you don't, it's not, you don't pine it's, for the Blue Jays' former. Uh, uh, I forget what fucking title they gave him as sort of uh, a, a, just he was just a, a coach. He was a member of the staff, but they gave him some title, quality control maybe. They're um, good at throwing titles around. There's a guy I don't have his name in front of me that literally has the title major league coach on the Blue Jays right now. That's <laughs> literally the title. Um. But yeah, well, it's all it's all it's all really a collaborative process, and there it's, is no defined roles. Anyway. It ain't a lie. If he's in the major league coaching <laughs> staff, he's a major league coach. So That's at true. the very least, they're honest. We're gonna leave you there with episode ninety six of Blue Jays Happy Hour. Not one where we live up to our name. A bit of a tough uh, little stretch for the Blue Jays here. But next time we come to you, I predict that it, they won't have lost every game between now and then. So it will be a uh, <laughs> slightly less gloomy time as my early prediction. We hope you guys listen in then and continue to uh, give us five stars and give us reviews and do those things that podcast people ask you to do that I don't think either of us really understand fully. But they, I've been told they're important and we appreciate when you do them. So we'll see you next week. <laughs>